Right, I've all my buttons pressed, so uh, <laughs> over to you. All right, I think we should be good. There's directionality in that. I've seen an awful lot of this, but I want to talk about magic. It's this kind of directionality. And the directionality of magic is outwards. It's expansion. That's formation of, of a thing, something coming together or being made. It's ejaculatory. It's creation. It's movement. In, a, in some ways, it, it's of its time. In some ways, it's not. Ultimately, yeah, I don't really know what it is or how to describe it. Go and do magic rather than sitting around thinking about magic or what you're allowed to do. Find out for yourself if magic works or not. And hello, good people of Gimpex. This is I, Tom Kelly. Everyone, I am Serious Magician Kennedy, and this is Chaos Magic News. Today, we have an amazing, amazing interview. Tommy Kelly doesn't really need an introduction for most of our listeners, but if you do, Tommy is an occultist, an artist, a writer, a musician, and a blogger in no particular order. He's the creator of one of the most popular oracle decks in contemporary occultism, The 40 Servants, Many, many comics and albums, and of course, the hub of pretty much everything he's been doing for the last couple of years, Adventures in Woo Woo. Mr. Kelly. Hi. Thank you for talking to us. Oh, How are you doing? Very good, very good. Thank you for asking me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, look forward to this. This should be fun. It's been a while since I did a podcast with, uh, uh, that wasn't just mine, <laughs> so <laughs> it should be good. Yeah, I know the feeling. I, we, I, Me and my co-host were on somebody else's podcast about like couple weeks ago and we just had to sit there awkwardly for a moment being like oh yeah I, I, is this what it's like for everyone else jeez this is awful <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a very different experience but you just i don't know you just have to switch off and just pretend that you're just talking to a person rather than you know whatever <laughs> the world whatever it is yeah so we've opened every interview we've done so far with this question and i'm really curious to what you're going to say to it why should you care about chaos magic Right, well, I've kind of listened to what other people said, so I, I, I don't want to reiterate. I suppose the standard answer, I suppose, is that thing, well, you shouldn't. But I think you should, because it's kind of like saying, why should I care about politics? Uh, it's like, whether or not you care about it, it's still happening and it still affects you. So whether or not you care about chaos magic or magic, it's still going to affect you. So you may as well engage with it and um, try to use it to your advantage if it's something that's already going to be part of the world. That is, if you subscribe to to the notion that we live in a magical world, uh, which I do. So I think it's important to pay attention to the landscape that you find yourself in and the rules that go with it. Yeah, that's not a bad answer. You tiptoed around all the other things people said, so good on you. I <laughs> could <Yeah. laughs> okay, just say, uh, just say what and what everyone else said. So, <laughs> yeah, plus plus that. Yeah. Um, well, you've been a really busy man for the last six or seven months. I mean, I could really say years, but like specifically, you put out. Let's see. I know you put out a bunch of music over the last six months. A couple music videos. Mm -hmm. You released, I believe. It was at the end that you put out the collection for the comic right at the end of the year. 
if I remember correctly? Yeah, um, I think so, yeah, or the beginning of this year. I can't, but everything is so hazy since COVID. It's like, oh, what is time? Oh, yeah. When did this happen? <laughs> is that 10, was that 10 years ago or 10 minutes ago? It's, it's really, yeah. So, yeah, we're in, within the last year, I would say, it's definitely come out within the last I think it came, yeah, probably December. I think that's, I, although... Who knows? I can't remember who I was talking to about it, but it was it, it's if you never had any interest in like the strange phenomena of experiencing time, like COVID definitely got your interest into it because Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We were totally dissociated from all the normal metrics we use to measure it, and it's just become completely off the wall. But anyway, and um I can't I should have written the date down, but I didn't. I think it was about a month ago now that you put out a new deck. Yeah, yeah, the Nadana deck or the Nadana cards, which is based on the Buddhist idea of dependent origination or Nadanas, which just translates meanings uh, as uh, causes. That's what Nadana means. Um, but it's strange because I actually finished that um, about a year ago, oh. <laughs> over a year ago. Yeah. So it's kind of been sitting around for a while because the guy who I did it with, um, it was originally his idea, Duncan Barford. He had done like 10 years ago, a decade ago, when he was back doing, or just after he was, did the websites with Alan Chapman, the Baptist head, I think he had, at this point, he'd gone to his, where he is now, which is called Experiments in the Home. And he kind of put together this notion of a, a system based on the Nadanas, the Buddhist idea of the Nadanas, because it was kind of, from a case point of view, case magic point of view, there's always this kind of, thing that's put forward that you should make your own divination system you know that's part of what you should do as a case magician so this was his thing of that and he but he just kind of put it together using like stock images or you know stuff he found on the internet so he never really released it although he did kind of more or less write the guidebook i think it was i don't know maybe a year and year and a half ago two years let's say two years ago, let's say a million years ago <laughs> sometime in the, in the distant past in the galaxy far far away um he asked me would I be interested in doing it, and it just whatever was just <laughs> I was in that that uh, between uh, the million things that I was, I was I do, and it says yeah that sounds like something interesting to do. But I actually had it finished by July of last year, and we were uh, waiting for him then to write the book to go with it to release it together, and then for many reasons, uh, mostly just time reasons, life reasons, he didn't get to do it. So we said rather than just kind of waiting. You know, until the next five years, whatever, until the, 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 there's the, an opportunity for to, to write the book, let's just release it now anyway with a kind of a smaller guidebook that comes with it and the website stuff. So uh, that's what we did. And uh, so it's in one sense, it's new and it's just there. To, it's, like, <laughs> it's like, oh, it's, it's, it's so last year for me. It's like, you know, it's like, but it's because it's I had to kind of relearn it a bit because I was I got really deep into it when I was doing it. And there was a whole year between it. And I hadn't really I hadn't used it or anything. So then when I came back and we started doing the videos about it, where we're going through each card, or I kind of had to learn the whole thing again. <laughs> and it's like, going, uh, right, I, be, I better understand this a bit better than uh, <laughs> I am at the minute if I'm going to try to convince people of it. But uh, yeah, so that's that's been interesting. So yeah, so that's more or less just to say that um, I did that wasn't done. Uh, recently, uh, like uh, I'm not an, an, an absolute superhuman that can uh, manage to squeeze in an, an oracle deck as well as do uh, all the other stuff I, um, that I put out recently. I, I I don't know. I I think there's a lot of superhuman qualities to being able to have things coming out on a super consistent kind of basis like that, especially projects that are so big. 
even even if you did it a year ago, getting a deck out is got to be a nightmare to begin with. So I'm sure there's lots involved there. Yeah, I I don't think it's really subhuman qualities more than um, extreme guilt and uh, <laughs> feeling that I have to be constantly productive to justify my existence. Uh, you know, it's, it's the good uh, Catholic, Irish Catholic upbringing that uh, unless you're actually doing something of value, then you have personally no value. So it's... it's yeah, so it's a uh, you know my my superhuman ability, my X uh, X Men mutant ability is trauma. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh man, as um as growing up as a as a Catholic boy in America myself, I, I have a lot of those similar feels. So it's I'm glad that it's a uh, I'm glad it's something a little more uh, universal. Well, no, don't be glad. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. no, I mean, don't look, be glad that there's trauma in the world. <laughs> look, if we're if if we're going to experience trauma, at least it's in ways that we can understand each other a little bit, you know. Well, uh, yes, yeah, and actually might do something with our lives. Yeah, there is like I mean, there's something to be said about it, I suppose. But at the same time, you know, yeah, I mean, let's was, let's not do let's not do that to the next generation. <laughs> I, I'd prefer no trauma, but um, so uh, you mentioned the videos that you were doing, just going through all the cards, um. What was the idea behind yeah. that other than just kind of, you know, giving people a brief explanation of what's going on? Was was it really just is it just promotional or is it just sort of like, you know, this might be the best way to teach people about this sort of thing is just sit down. Well, with them, um, you do a lot of that sort of thing on your channel and your Patreon stuff to begin with. So, yeah, it's just when I did the 40 servants, when I put it out and it had a book, you know, uh, and it had all and I put all the stuff on the website as well. I then noticed that if I talked about it in videos, people seem to, I don't know, the information seemed to go in or uh, a bit easier, or people seem to understand it or something. I don't know. There's a bit more, you know, sometimes when you're reading about a particular system or something, you're saying you're reading about the tarot or the runes or whatever it is, and you go, all right. I read that. It just doesn't go in. <laughs> but if you watch, if you watch a video or something, people, it seems to, you know certain types, certain personality, anyway, um, can kind of grasp on it a bit more. So that putting up the videos as well is also a way of people who don't want to spend money on a book can can you know can understand what it is as well. And it's a good way of just quickly referencing something to someone by going, "Here's the video." You know, all oh, right, yeah, three or four minutes just talking about it. And so when it came to doing the Nadana cards, I said, well, I'm going to pretty much do what exactly what I did for the 47s, because that worked. But try to, you know, maybe do it slightly better. And kind of, I suppose, the, the fault with the 47s when they can kind of blabber on a bit. So at, le at least with the, the, this one, and there's two people talking in with me and Duncan, so it's not just me. So there's an interaction and there's like, a, if there's something that needs clarity, that can come out, you know, in a conversation that can't really come out when you're just talking to a camera yourself you know you can get feedback and, and then afterwards you, can, you know you could change it or whatever but in the kind of recording of it and so then on the website because also there's no book as yet with the Nadana cards you want as much resources for people as possible to you know who have paid for the cards or want to work with the cards and go well here's everything we've written about it here's us having a discussion about it and here's all you know here's whatever a load of graphics and whatever right, right. that goes with it you know, so, but also, yeah, promotion. I mean, they, they, for sure, because I mean, if you have 26 cards and uh, you do 26 videos, well, that's six months of a video a week. So it's a, a way of keeping uh, it in people's mind because an awful lot of this stuff, um, and you find it a lot with music as well, uh, unless you're super successful, is that you launch something and you get like a day or two. And then that's it. Then it's gone. It's the, you know the next thing has yeah. happened or whatever. So you could you can spend like six months recording an album and release it on 
Friday, and by the following Friday, you know, you may you may start your next album because <laughs> it's, it's, you know it's at its, at its moment. So at least if you have something where you have a continuing amount of videos one a week, it's 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 still there and still you know you're still giving energy to it. You're still you know still in people's mind. You're still posting about it. It's not just everything happens the week you come out. Here's the course, you know. Here's the twenty six videos, all of that stuff. Um, it, it's a, an ongoing thing. So to think of it as a, if the Nadana cards were like a, a, a servitor, say, so it's a you're still constantly feeding the servitor of that yeah. by continuing over. You know, right, right, the, yeah, definitely. I see that the Nadana deck wasn't exactly your um, wasn't your uh, brain. You weren't the brainchild behind that. No, no, it's definitely Duncan, and uh, and I'm definitely not a Buddhist. That, that's one thing I've, I've discovered about uh, the Nadana. Um, but it is a chaos magic approach. We're both chaos magicians. Duncan's not a Buddhist either. Well, he's definitely more Buddhist leaning than I am. But I think I, I've said this before a number of times. I think at some point, particularly chaos magicians, but anyone who's involved in this kind of stuff, at some point, everyone becomes a Buddhist at least for a while. Oh right, that yeah. It, you know, yeah, yeah. And um, there's, just, that, 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 there's some of the stuff that. I don't know. I just the whole non-self thing. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's like I get it, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just it doesn't sit right with me, and it's just it, it's. I suppose an awful lot of the Buddhist stuff as well, though that you have is it's you know it's kind of Westernized Buddhism, and then you have also like secular Buddhism, which is taking all the the interesting bits out of it and just having the the corporate Google meditation <laughs> versions of it. Yeah, but, um, yeah. No, I I understand that. There's a especially being in the corporate world a bit myself, seeing the amount of um, just uh, repurposed Buddhism that gets thrown out. In yeah, there. And it's, it's yeah a- and it's quite dangerous because it's like, it's kind of pretending that meditation is all rosy and nothing bad ever happens. It's only good. You know, it'll only, you meditate and everything, everything works. Even, you know, even your joints get better or even your, <laughs> your muscles get tight or whatever. All this. And it's like, I mean, there's huge parts of meditation that are nasty and dark and there's no kind of support for that when you take it out of context of, you know, the, the actual system that it's within. If you start doing Buddhist meditation and take out all the, all the teachings, <laughs> people are going to get in trouble. And you can see that kind of filtering through, you know, like all the dark night of the soul stuff. And someone like Daniel Ingram is really good in that. He's a, he's a, he's a Buddhist, American Buddhist teacher, but he, he, he talks a lot about, the, you know, that, you know, there, there's some heavy stuff that happens. And if you are going around and setting up systems that don't incorporate that, you're going to get people in trouble. And I, I think he's right. Like, not everyone, but it does happen. And so, you know, if, you, if you're being told that you're having a bad experience in meditation when, or if you're having a bad experience during meditation when all you've been told is how wonderful it is, well, well you know, what do you do with that? And then if you go to your teacher the, who has taken all the context out of it, they, they, they don't know what to do with it either, you know? So it's it's an interesting one, strange one, but... That's the, the modern modern world for you, I suppose. You know, but just to, to go back to the, the Nadana thing, I think that we were both. It's a chaos magic approach to that. So it's a chaos magic in like I, I can't imagine some of the ways we approach the images and the ideas of it that anyone on uh, the Buddhist subreddit would uh, <laughs> really appreciate. Some of the things like we, we brought in the, the idea of the like the holy guardian angel. We've um, you know even that the idea of self is a bit in it a bit more than. Um, Buddhist would probably want, and um, you know. So it, it, I would, you know, if you're not that keen on Buddhism, but you're keen on chaos magic, I think there, there, this could be your door into having a look at what the paradigm is. You know, in that kind of acting as if type of stuff. Right. Yeah. I 
I agree. And I think Buddhism's a great sort of thing to delve into from a chaos magic perspective to begin with, just because it's, if you really dig into it again, getting away from the sort of sanitized Western and, you know, as much as I love Alan Watts, you know, getting away from those sorts of, you know, uh, let's not uh, throw Alan Watts in with uh, with, a lot of the point he's 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 the man. I know what you mean. I do know what you mean. mean, Getting away from the sort of uh, 4 a.m. deep talk YouTube video side of Buddhism. Yeah. yeah. Well, with with the background music and the, the, the clickbait title, um, you need to. You need this will change your life. You need to listen to this, right? Yeah. See for the first time. Um, but yeah, yeah. 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 But uh, <laughs> getting away from it, it, it has a lot of very challenging ideas to the typical Western psyche. We'll say maybe that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but also it uh, aligns with a, a, an awful lot of like modern science thought and stuff like like an awful lot of what Buddhism would say about the no non south stuff, like Daniel Dennett also would say. You know that you that, that this kind of idea of consciousness is just an illusion, right? That, you right. know, and you know, and it's it like or uh, an epiphenomenon of the brain. Now, yes, Daniel Dennett would say or whatever, and it's like yeah, well, the Buddhist said that <laughs> two and a half thousand years ago, and while I think it's true, there's. Because you can see it, you can hundred percent see that this things, this thing that you call you, is just a number of things arising. And that's you know, it's not like when you were seven. You, there's very little of you that is the same person as you were when you were seven or eight or ten or whatever. But yes, there's this kind of continuity, or this kind of sense of continuity, even though all it was was a number of beliefs happening, and um, when you start really investigating those type of things, you can you can really see well that's not my belief that's just what my dad thought that's what my mum thought or that's I got that from that this part of my personality from a particular friend I was hanging around with, or a rock star or, or an actor or you know just, just all these things that we just kind of amalgamate together and bring in I call it us you know and it, you can see that but I think ultimately and a bit more I suppose in the Casimir Shaivism point of view where they're Underneath that, there is, I feel, or something. I, I can, can get to the point where it's not there in meditation. I can see the whole thing. It seems to be, it's not satisfying <laughs> in the way that it seems to be satisfying for um, a lot of people. I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I suppose I'm just not as impressed by that <laughs> by it in some ways. Um, I can't really describe it because it just sounds like I'm talking out of my arse. But um, there's a lot of, like, like, Buddhism is quite practical, pragmatic. And just the kind of teachings on suffering are good, but the, the, there's a limit to it as well. It's kind of like if, if you can, if you can let the events and the situations in your life not annoy you, then you will be happy. And you go, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you, that's that's true. <laughs> it's not always. But it's like if I could just be okay with this guy constantly punching me in the face, then I would be happy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like that is true. There's no question that that is true. But is it? always helpful you know to, 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 in, in that kind of way I'm, I'm being very unfair to buddhism but they, like i mean if, when you take things to you know to certain lengths and certain conclusions most things will fall apart and even buddhism which you know i suppose in some sense claims to have the entire truth of the of creation for me anyway it can often fall apart at the edges it can start seeing the cracks but it's it's you know you can learn an awful lot about yourself in the world and uh, along the journey you know yeah i I think um, part of going back to the idea of the sort of corporatizing and sanitizing of Buddhism, it's the same thing that's happened with like stoicism, where it's, you know, where you're completely yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly it's, that. it's this idea yeah. of if I can just put up with 
all of the horrible things that are happening to me on a consistent basis and just be okay with it, then I'll be fine. And I can just go through the, you know, capitalist hellscape we live in. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, that's it. If you could just put up with all the bullshit and let us make all our money, but that would be great for everyone. You know, that, that would just be, if you could just be good factory walking bees. Thanks very much. That's, that's, that's all we're asking. Yeah. It's, yeah. but there, there is a genuine power to being able to have those sorts of things. Cause there are things in this world that you have to go through that do not have any easy way out of, and they don't even have a, at, you know, at least with the, the confines of like corporate existence or, you know, having to just struggle under for survival, at least you yeah. have something that you can be morally outraged against or you can work towards some sorts of change on a social level if you're one of those types of people you know there's there's a reaction to it that you can have that at least has some sort of satisfaction where there's plenty of things in life that just don't have easy reasons or they're just as simple as like yeah you know oh man my knee hurts every day now well yeah congratulations um, you're 45 this is what happens yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's your knees that's just your knees now that's how it goes yeah the buddhists would say though that everything is ultimately unsatisfactory like it's the three characteristics there's no self it's unsatisfactory and tommy's brain it'll come back to me but that, that ultimately that you um no matter what you pursue pursue and you can pursue anything when you get to the end of it, you will see that there's it has no inherent self to it. It's just a thing that's arising. And it's unsatisfactory, that it's not giving you what you want. And so even though, like, you can say that, well, at least with this, there is a, a way. It's just a continuing a cycle. Oh, right, but right, right. That's from, yeah, from the, the Buddhist point of view. But one, of the, one of the things I find that I don't like about it, and kind of, uh, it's this kind of sense of that there's an acquiescence in it. that I, I don't think it, it's um, exactly what the teachings are, but it's, it's this notion of, you know, you have to accept the way things are. Okay. And, mm. and, and there's kind of this kind of sense that there's no point in, you know, you can't desire anything. You can't just want it to be different. You can't, you know, want new things because if you desire stuff, that's going, that's, yeah, that's what's bad. causing your suffering. Yeah, desires yeah, yeah. You're grasping. Yeah. You have attachments. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a uh, Trishna. It's called it's, it. You know, it's like you're, there's a thirst, and I mean, we, the, uh, not exactly in the, in the way the, the internet calls thirst now, but it's not that much difference, <laughs> to be fair. Um, all these thirsty people, but uh, <laughs> but I think mostly what 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 it's trying to point at in a way is that not that you can't change the future, not that you can't pursue things, not that you can't want things in a sense or whatever, depending on who, what Buddhist you're talking. It's you know, it's not that they're saying that you should you have to accept that things will always be like this. What it's saying is that you have to accept that things are like this now. That there's no point in sitting here and going, I, you know, I wish I was richer now. Because you're not. That's that this where you are is where you are. Or I wish I was fitter, I wish I was younger, I wish something different had happened in the past. And that's the stuff that can't be changed. And that's the stuff that has to be accepted. But you can go and then make something out of your life too. You know, it's not that you have to accept this place. You have to accept it in the present moment that this is how it is. The way things are, or the way things are. But that doesn't mean then that has to stay like that forever. That you have to that you have to acquiesce to that. That you have to kind of surrender to that, or to you know just become something rather than being active in the world of just being reacting to everything and just kind of accepting it, lay, lying down and dying. You know that kind of that's sense. But move towards your things. But at each moment, you accept where you are, and that's you know it's not that you're wanting to be somewhere else. It's like almost like a kid 
when they'd kind of wish their life away because they wanted to be Christmas. You know, how long left now? You know, when when is it my birthday? Whatever it is. And you're kind of wishing your life away because you're not in the present. You're just kind of wanting something else. So I think that's more, and I can kind of get, get behind that. But when you get to the acquiescence stuff, which is very much kind of pushed by an awful lot of different kind of teachings, and particularly in the kind of New Age Buddhism and stuff like that, it disenchants the world. And that's where I think the kind of crossroads between, say, your Buddhism and or your mystical paths, whatever, and the magic paths is, is in that. And I go, no, no, I, I, I do want something for my life. I do want to change things. I do want something to create, to desire, you know, or whatever it is. And, and it's okay in the sense of that you know where you are and what you're looking for. You're not trying to change the past. You're not trying to change who you are in the present. You're not trying to change the way the world is. But you can change the world will be, which is the path of the magician. The directionality is, is different in a sense. That makes sense. Am I making sense? Yes. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I, I will save the people that aren't as... um indoctrinated into my <laughs> Martin Heidegger rants. You know, the yeah. people that go, oh, hey, Tommy Kelly. But I'm like, oh, what the fuck is this guy talking about? But I, I will say um, Heidegger has this concept of how we exist in the world yeah. where we, he calls it throneness. It's this idea of, you know, it's, it, it's basically what you were talking about before. It's how we always already exist in a world that has history where we have baggage. We have these things that have happened to us. We have things that are completely beyond our control and all these things. But we are okay. projecting into the future where it's, you know, we have, we have things that we, despite our thrownness in our current moment in the world and everything, we have things that we're directing ourselves towards. And it's always, there's a lot about, it, it's always at the cost of other potentialities and so on and so forth. But I, I like that idea is, I guess is all I'm getting at. It's like, I, I, I like the way you described it as, you know, there's the magical path is a lot of directing yourself towards yeah. change in the future from where you're at now without letting these without grasping onto the things of our yeah, past and I mean, our experience it's, and our it's it's like, like if you kind of see it as well the way i see it is like like creativity art all of these things is an expansive movement outwards you know it's an evolutionary kind of movement of expansion and um, to become greater than what, what is already the case, rather than the kind of sense of, particularly when you have things like, I suppose, in Kashmir uh, Shaivism, where we're saying that what we have now is the full, expansive, all-pervading thing of God. There's nothing new that will ever exist ever. It's, it's already, the emanation is complete. And that's where I disagree with, uh, as much as I like Shaivism, and it's, it's really <laughs> it's a, it's a wonderful philosophy, but it's like, I don't think it is. I think the point of all of it is expansion and creation and moving towards something. You know, it's, it's like the, the creation gets more complicated and as it goes on. And I think it's like, it's, it's, it's like, I don't know. I, I recently wrote a piece in my newsletter, which talked about, well, what would that be? And it, it's kind of like, well, rather than a God that knew everything at the beginning and, you know, for some reason decided he's going to forget everything for a laugh to play a game Let's have all this endless suffering and torture and <laughs> disgustingness just because I'm bored. I just that's what what an awful person that would be, or God would be. But it's like, what if he doesn't know? And this is him finding out. Oh, she, it, whatever. Um the and it's it's the process of becoming a god or working it out. And why is the creation but shit? Because we're trying to work out how not for it to be. But if you're something that is it's starting where I know everything, I have it all, <laughs> and then you go, well, you have the problem of evil, you know, well, why would someone, why would someone want that? And I know that kind of standard answer is, well, why do you watch a horror film? 
Well, the difference is I know it's a horror film. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, more embedded in this where we, there's no way out of it. I can't leave the cinema if I don't like the movie. Well, I suppose you could, but. I like that idea. It's, it's kind of, a, a, I'm just dropping philosophers here and stuff, but it, it's kind of a Hegelian idea, this idea of, you know, the, the realization of spirit and mind coming into the world. It's like, you know, things aren't, nothing was laid out in a particular manner of like, all right, this is, this is how everything is. And this is how it is. And all it takes is for you to get on board with it. It's a, it's a process. It's a discussion. It's a conversation yeah. of things realizing and coming into form so we can understand how they should be. It's also very um, Aeon of Horus kind of Crowley idea. I think the one um, theological innovation that Crowley doesn't get as much credit for as he probably should is just the idea of a of a uh, cosmos or a you know mm-hmm. a divinity that is growing and changing as opposed to just repeating in cycles or pointing <laughs> towards like an yeah, apocalypse. ever-looming apocalypse. So. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's it's essentially that that's the, the, the kind of idea of the new age too, isn't it? Like the age force, age of Aquarius, and everyone has their own ages. It's, uh, several ages are available uh, yeah, yeah. for uh, depending <laughs> what mood you're in. But um, yeah, I just think it's just. I, <laughs> There's something about the mystical path that I, I followed it for a long while. I kind of, I kind of fell off the magic track for a while and became like a, essentially a mystic or a, oh, I don't know. It's just it, it, one that got me really depressed and really, um, that kind of, that's what I'm talking about, the acquiescence thing of just going like that. I don't have any power or say in my life at all. You know, you just kind of have to go with it. And it's, you know, and it's like, yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> and I, you know, and it's like, it's probably a bit more over here than uh, in America. You, you kind of have more in America this kind of notion of you have to do something, you know, be someone, or, or you know, you, you can you can get to it. But we don't have that here. Right? It's like what we have here is the, how dare you try that? <laughs> how try? How dare you try to be something? Who do you think you are <laughs> trying to do something with your life? You know. So, like I mean, I do admire as much as it, it, it has its, its uh, warped sense too. The, the kind of a. Uh, American attitude in that compared to the the traumatic Irish Catholic of how dare you, you know, because at the end, because like you becoming good or you doing something in some way is offensive to God. How idiot, like that, that, how disgusting is that as a, as a thought to have? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's well, I mean, I, I suppose the, the idea of the rugged American individual is something we, we, we try to keep very alive here in America, but we have our own end of that too. Right. Because we have the, we have the alternative side of, when you're trying to do something and make something out of your life, you're just mocked for it. It's not even a, it's not an offense. It's okay. just like, it's taken as a joke. Like, Oh, you're trying All to right, do something. I, yeah, I, 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 do I, something. Like, totally. I mean, I assumed that it was, that was kind of a thing, but I didn't know what it was like. I thought it was just like the, the American dream and everyone was entitled to us. And there you go. I mean, go, go. I mean, you know, be an American and start a podcast, Kelly, watch it happen. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, I, I def, I understand what you're saying. I, and I think especially in, especially in the, you know, we've we've been talking a lot about the contemporary occult revival we have since, you know, I, I think about maybe 10 years ago at most, it started coming back very strong. And now, you know, now you have freaking um, tarot cards and Sephora and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot more prominent, at least here. It's come really back into vogue. And we've been talking about a lot of the reasons why. And I think it has a lot to do with people feeling, you know, well, a lot of what you were saying, not only just discouraged from actually making any changes in their life, but discouraged from the ability to make any change, have any agency in their world. And if nothing else, I think occultism has been very good for trying to bring back that sense of people having some sort of ability to affect the future. Yeah, but there 
there is the like the as I was saying, the looming apocalypse. It's this kind of sense of that this feeling of well, what's the point of anything? Because we're all going to be dead in fifty years because of climate change or the aliens or war, or nuclear war, or whatever, you know, all that all of that, you know, pandemics, this kind of thing. But it's right, like, yeah. again, that kind of fuels the you know, you know, the hopelessness, I suppose, in one sense. But another thing that's feeling that is the the apocalyptic religions and philosophies that are like are seem to be wanting to you know to bring on the apocalypse and, and you know part of whatever your, your thoughts around climate change or whatever but one of the things that certainly is why people don't care about it is because they don't think that um this is the real place you know oh, that right, it's like yeah. yeah so why why what does this matter this is an illusion this is maya this is you know our, our real place is in heaven or you know uh, the new earth or whatever this but it's not here it's somewhere it's you know once i plug out of the matrix and get out of this simulation my real life is there so it doesn't matter about any of this there is that kind of thing where yeah but you know that's that's, that's not how it works you know like even the the, the things that say it's an illusion Whatever, an awful lot. It's not that it's an illusion in that it's not real. It's that we are delusional. About it. <laughs> it's not that there's no white there out there. I mean, there, or it's not. You know, I'm not, I, I understand the simulation theory, and it's good fun to kind of hang around with it. But it's it, it just, and especially when you get into things like people saying, "Oh, and NPCs," and the oh, whole thing God. seems like we have this real need to dehumanize the human experience in both, like religions and the occult and spirituality. It's like do everything you can to get away from having this human experience. Everything. Meditate all day so that you awaken to whatever the truth. You know, pray to God all the time. Be nice so that you have your place in heaven, in the other place. You know, become woke so that you can pull yourself out of the, the simulation. It's like, well, no, what about actually looking at your life <laughs> and having a life? <laughs> you know, this thing that we, we spent so long getting to. Let's, you know, let's do that, you know, and maybe look after it once in a while as well. It's, it's you know? something I've talked about with people before, and it's um, people don't like hearing it, but it's this idea that, it, again, not not talking specifically about because I'm sure there are very, very intelligent, good Christians that aren't. 100% on oh, this yeah. one. Oh, yeah, and I, I don't, I don't, you know, don't mean to say that. And I know, and I know there are, I know there, I know there's lots of Buddhists that are, would argue with this, and, you know, they're, they're right to a point, but a lot of the contemporary religious and mystical kind of doctrines that we have, especially, you know, things like Gnosticism that have come really mm -hmm. back into vogue in the last however so many years, are ultimately nihilistic yeah, ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the same reason, it's the reason why, um like, the sort of secular world mimics all of them in a lot of ways. It's like, like you said, the apocalyptic idea of, oh, well, you know, we're, we're going to get out of the matrix. This is all Maya, you know, or we're going to be in heaven. That's just the, the, um, like the transhumanist crowd and, you know, the, the tech bros, they have the same idea. Like, oh, we're going to get yeah, off yeah, this yeah, planet yeah. and we're going to go colonize other planets. They'll do anything to delegitimize the world that we currently live in and the people we have. And they'll just, you know, like you said, they'll just come up with whatever kind of rationale they can. You know, it's like, oh, well, we can't fight climate change already. It's already too late. Well, let's we'll just get out of here. It's fine. We just need to funnel all of our money to yeah, leaving yeah, the yeah. planet. You know, let's, yeah, let's give up in a sense. And it's like, I know in one sense, a lot of the kind of the, like the Wiccan stuff is looked down on as this kind of, you know, f fluffy thing. But at least they're on board with the actually having an Earth-based <laughs> spirituality, right. you know, like that are in tune with the... um with the planet, the seasons, you know, with the nature, with the, all, all this, you know, and particularly when you get into the more animistic kind of witchcraft, or totally, that's what it should be. And it, it's like, you know, we, we just, I don't know, it's just so strange. And that, that one thing I found, what, part of the thing that got me really down and that, that 
it's more than just this kind of very petty thing I'm, I'm trying to express. But one of the things when my exploration miss was that was this kind of negation of the human experience. Directionality is inwards to find the real you, the real thing, the real secret, or whatever it is, the awakening, have all these experiences, rather than this thing, you know, the width and the direction of magic being outwards, creativity and art and evolution and all of these things. And I just found out, you know, got very kind of bogged down in it, and I couldn't really see a way out of it within in the thing, other than I, I said, right, I'm going to have to start maybe become, an, you know, actually a magician, if I, if I claim, even to the point I didn't even know what I was going, am I a case magician anymore? What, what am I? I have no idea. And then I said, no, I'm going to, I'm going to make a definite recl- reclaim on uh, on magic and uh, I'm personal power man and all of these things. Now, that's the, the major working of this year is the recl- reclamation of um, all of these things that I have given away or let go or been influenced by or let in or whatever. It's it's like, that sounds like I'm saying it's someone else's fault. It's 100% my fault. And it's not my fault because it's no one's fault because it's that's just a thing. You know, you have to travel through this stuff. You know, you have to go through it. And sometimes there's, there's, you know, the dark night of the soul. Sometimes you you, you get to the, you know, in the, in the Danic cards, there's a whole kind of, in the second section, which is the way out section. The first section is how we got here. The second section is the way out. There's, you know, after the bliss, the happiness, the enlightenment, the thing, there's disenchantment. And it's, you know, this is the dark night of the soul. This is about where you realize that everything, it's not that everything's an illusion, but that you've been delusional about everything. It's almost a bit like, I suppose, in one way, like say you, oh, you've been married 20 years. And then one day you find out that for the last 10 years that your partner has been having an affair. Nothing has changed, but everything has changed. You know what I mean? It it was like, it's, the nature of the world hasn't changed or anything, but the, 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 your entire, your past has changed in your head because all the things that you thought was a certain way weren't. And, you know, you start making different connections and all of these kind of things. And then you become disenchanted. And um, I think it's a great word. Because, and I think where we are as a society is very, well, we're disenfranchised and we're very disenchanted. And I think it's kind of the job of the magician uh, to re-enchant the world as I think uh, that's a, originally a Gordon White phrase, but um, yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, let's re-enchant the world. It's probably not a Gordon White phrase. That, that seems like that's probably been around for a while. I mean, yeah, I, probably, but you know, I'll, I'll I'll give it to White. That's fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, I, I know it because of him, so that, that's, that's what I can say. Since we mentioned uh, the directing everything outward and creation aspects of things, let's uh, let's talk about some of your art. Uh, turbine yeah. Syndrome. Yeah. So Turbine Syndrome is, well, it's a comic for people who don't know. Um, it's not a graphic novel because I morally object to the word graphic novel. It's like <laughs> trying to, um, it's not just the comics. What's what's wrong with the word? And it's, uh, in a sense, like, I mean, it's an, the hyper sigil, right? It's the most overused kind of word, uh, even though it perfectly describes an awful lot of things. But it's, and it also has become a word that means, which is fine, but it, it's, you know, it kind of covers way more than what it originally kind of probably did mean when Grant Morrison came up with it in the 90s. Um, and that everything can be a hypersigil now. You know, I'm riding my bike. That's my hypersigil. Oh, well, yeah, I, yeah. Okay. This is, this is <laughs> my <laughs> shit post page on Facebook. That's This is my hypersigil. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm fine. I like, I mean, okay, right, right. That, that, that there's an argument to be made. And on a lot of days, I probably would accept it. And some days I will. For my own personal thing, like what I think hypersigil is, but like everyone make up their own mind. But so it's a hypersigil always in many ways is a thing that you do, which is a, like a, a, an ongoing piece of, let's say, creativity that you're doing to reflect 
the real world and what you do to your creative piece uh, in a kind of sympathetic magic thing is that your hope then changes your your life, the real world. So it's kind of like an expanded version of say, like the old uh, puppets or the voodoo dolls, whatever. And you know, the classic thing is sticking the pin in it, and you know, symp- by symp- sympathy, the person themselves get it. Although seemingly, <laughs> most voodoo dolls were used for healing, not for not for uh, cursing. So, but so the idea with Tobin syndrome was right. Okay, if that because I've done a hypersensitive before as a comic, which is my comic them which absolutely 100% worked entirely. And I'm pretty convinced led to the 40 servants that that was the conclusion of the working. And if anyone wants to check that out, I have a load of posts on um, my website that goes through that whole um, hypersigenous and breaks the whole comic down. But uh, so it goes right. So rather than, so the, the hypersigenous clearly worked, right? It clearly works. We, we know this. Um, can I affect, not just my, can I affect the world rather than just my life? Like, like, like if you're going to think big with magic why just localize it to yourself and so the idea of turbine syndrome from a magical point of view not necessarily just a narrative point of view um, is it a, an attempt to change the world as a hypersage wits along those kind of things of ushering in being that we're so apocalyptic in our thoughts and being that we're so kind of hell-bent on <laughs> uh the esticalon or whatever way that's pronounced <laughs> i can never pronounce properly um or you know i'm bringing on the uh this thing like i'm become a bit obsessed in say new age circles or in crowleyan circles of you know the new age coming in and all this kind of stuff well let's actively do that but rather than it being an apocalyptic thing why not have it as something that's great you know all the stuff that we we kind of always look at great change and upheaval as as you know terrible or you know this is going to be an ordeal or something but what if what what if it was the opposite what if, it, if all this just you know what it's like a, some sort of divine presence came in and kind of Fucking fixed everything. What if things were actually cool. good? Oh my <laughs> yeah, god! Man, man, crazy. Imagine, imagine we started telling each other stories of you know a, a hopeful, good, positive future, where you know rather than constantly telling each other how crap humans are and you know how useful we are and how we're the problem and all. This, well, well, we stopped telling that story and told a better story. That's the ethos behind turbine syndrome. Uh, the actual story <laughs> is, uh, is uh, set in a kind of seaside town that's kind of touristy but it starts off in the winter so it's a liminal space you know a lot of things coming and going and in and out and it's kind of echoed through it all but because it starts in the winter it's you know none of the tourists are about so it's quite bare and empty and it's kind of these number of people who are in some way connected um and by their kind of redemption and their understanding of themselves and their story um that ultimately re- the idea being that uh, it redeems the entire world. So, uh, yeah, just, you know, very simple little magic working to... Uh, oh, yeah, just, you know, just a normal uh, thing. Um, uh, I, I won't dig too deep into the story itself because I do want people to go read it. It's really good. It was a cool. great job. But um, I think what I want to start with there is asking... Well, I mean, and we, we already mentioned Morrison, so... But um, what what were your big influences as far as that work, you know, both artistically and magically? Uh, but Turbine Syndrome in, in specific rather than comics in general. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah um, we'll start there. Yeah, definitely Japanese uh, artists, uh, particularly like Inio Asano. He did uh, Gnight Pun Pun, um, Dead Dead Demons, that's a really weird name. <laughs> um, and it's really, really good. And it has this, something just... And the manga stuff is very hard to get into because there's so much, so much of it. 
so much of it is not for you, or, you know, no matter who you are. It's, you know, because it's so catered for a wide variety of tastes and there's so many different categories and all that. And once you kind of find or situate yourself within it and you know what you're kind of looking for, um, just, they're, just, I don't know, they're just, they're just, they're, I think they're like the different level, particularly the amount they do. Like, they, like some of them are doing like, you know, three twenty-page comics a week. Right. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know it's a lot of them have a lot of assistants. But say any Osano, I think he's like two assistants, and he does most for himself, and he's still doing whatever. Um, and whatever, there's twenty pages, and he's, he does some other stuff. He's a new one out now, and it's quite good. But uh, that was a, from a kind of an artistic point of view. That was it, and I loved his kind of idea of combining technology with. Um, Art. So he started off very much with doing, uh, taking like all his backgrounds, or he went out and photographed things, and um, you know, light boxed them and drew over it, and then put it, you know, put it in the background. And then eventually, he just kind of, you know, we photoshopped, so we do like a threshold kind of uh, filter on it, and you know, then draw over it, you know, so that it, it's the photo, but it's drawn over. It. Then eventually, get into using um, Unreal Engine, so he could create an entire scene or whatever oh, he wanted wow. and, and so you from whatever angle whatever the whole thing was and i goes right that's i'm stealing that that's insane so, the, so what i did was i created the um the entire seaside liminal space liminal key it's called uh in unreal engine so the entire place actually exists in, in hyperspace <laughs> down to like you can go into the houses you can go into all the thing it's like huge it's it's so big that uh it's it has errors. <laughs> it, 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 it just sometimes just goes. We can't open this today, but uh, but uh, and, and all of it's there and everything. So I have the entire whole. You know, I can map out the entire what I want. Like in one of the scenes, in uh, one of the chapters, a guy just walking through, uh, going from one place to the other, and I, I could I could take the camera in the actual three D space, and then, you know, and and I know exactly what it looks like, and then export those images. So that it's you know that everything's consistent. If you look at one panel, um, if you then see it from a different panel, you know you're trying to guess where it is. It's exactly right because you know I have it, have it all mapped out, and that was that was quite important in what I wanted to do. I wanted to kind of, I wanted it to feel like an actual place and a, a, a real place. Well, I mean, um, it, it it is a place. It's it's a place. In the yeah, gym, well, it is in a the place. Digital, then, yeah, because, yeah, it's a place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I've I've spent so much time <laughs> in that place. <laughs> and it's an interesting thing because. Um, you know Dave Sims, Cerebus, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, we're going to get to that, okay. Yeah, um, he's talking about it, like he's just, because he's talking about, like he's an interesting character, uh, but he's saying like, well, well, which is real? You know, I see, I've spent more hours in the fictional world that Cerebus is set in, in you know, in, in the town and that whole thing that than I have in real life, particularly, in the, you know, during when he was drawing it or whatever, and he's going like, to kind of say that it's not a real place seems it seems a bit ridiculous. Having <laughs> I've spent most of my life in it, you know, so I understand that. But yeah, so Cerebus would be an, an influence. Dave Sim, he's a. I just love the the, the art style, the, the cross hatch stuff, all of that kind of thing. And it's it's quite different from from my previous. Like the holy numbers and them are very kind of. Uh, a bit more open. There's no real kind of drawing, you know, cross hatching or detailed stuff. It's more, it's kind of cartoony, more a bit more graphic, uh, and this one kind of incorporates that too. But it has a bit more detail drawing on things from, say, like Inuyasano, um, Dave Sim, who else? Uh, Al Williamson, you know, kind of the old um, 
you know, newspaper strip guys that, you know, that some of those, those things like Alex Raymond, all of that, 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 that kind of stuff, that, that the really, you know, proper draftsmanship, people who could really draw, you know. And, yeah, um, yeah. It's, I, you'd see the influence quite a bit. Uh, yeah. And inter- interestingly, sorry, just before I forget, oh, by the end of Cerebus, Gerhard, who's doing the backgrounds, he was using uh, 3D software to create the backgrounds. Even at, at that point, he had like an, he says he got an interior design program years ago. So what would that, like when did, so it's like it finished, when it finished around 2000, something like that. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Or he, he was, um, so he was using like some very basic thing and he had like, a, he says a, a lamp um, that came with the software, you know, just like a model of lamp. That's what he used as the, the reference for Cerebus himself. And then he would print it, whatever, you know, so he'd have the, the he'd do it at the rooms, he printed it, and he used to like do light box it onto a page, then trace it again, and then trace it once again onto the actual service page, and then actually ink it. And goes, wow, <laughs> that's an awful lot of work. So he says, yeah, he'd never do it again. But uh, And he didn't try to leave because he says it was just, this is just insane. But he was talked back into it. I, yeah, so I, I suppose in a sense, maybe Gerhard is, is probably more the bigger influence in service than uh, than uh, Dave. Although Dave Sims, character, you know, this kind of caricaturical drawing, his, his figure drawings, actually, yeah, his expressions. I, I was on the, uh, the entire time top you were notch. talking about, um, you know, modeling your world. I was sitting there going, I remember, I've I've heard this before, and I was thinking about right, Gerhard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah uh, well, I mean, since we brought it up now, I, I have to ask. You made a video, very short one, years ago that I found. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was earlier this year, I was rereading Cerebus, and you talked about how you believed, or it was at least a theorized idea that um, Dave Sim had caught himself in a uh, the unintended consequences of a hyper sigil with Cerebus. Yeah, um, that what where that video was taken. I start. I decided I was going to do a video every day for uh, the pandemic during the lockdown, um, and I, I did it for a good while. And then I went, "Oh, hold on, this is probably going to be years." <laughs> I'm stop. So it's one of the first. It's a long time ago, and it's like it's kind of back in the day with uh, Dave Sim. And there was as much about the comic, which was the first twenty pages was the art, and the second twenty pages was letters, and then eventually got into his uh, biblical. Uh, exegesis acids, yes <laughs> yeah, or whatever that kind of stuff I don't think you can work on something for that length that intensity without it having some sort of magical impact on you what's your, what's your thoughts like what, what, what did you I what mean you well it, it's funny right because I before watching that little video of yours I had really gotten down on the entire idea of hyper sigils to begin with Right. Mm. It's like, I, I, yeah, I get it. You know, Grant Morrison did the Invisibles. It's a big old thing. And it had a lot of effect. I'm like, yeah, but Grant Morrison's actually a magician and he was doing it with <laughs> the intention of it. I don't think that we can just sit here and say that anyone that makes a comic or anyone that makes a work of art and call it a hyper sigil again, you know, oh, my shit post page is a hyper sigil. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to school. But mm. um, afterwards, I started rethinking about it and i i think you're right first off you know even with my criticism of like oh yeah well dave sim's not a magician i mean dave sim is definitely a magically involved person i mean you don't get that mm-hmm. wacky and religious without having a streak of it in you somewhere i think yeah absolutely yeah, yeah you know yeah. he built it i mean he it's a very it's abrahamic is all hell but it's it's a chaos magic type system he just kind of appropriated lots of different ideas and reinterpreted them into something that's a coherent system. You know, you can read Dave mm. Sims thoughts in Cerebus and understand what the idea and like, you know, he's, it's not 
quite a cosmology, but it's almost a full-blown cosmology. It, it works. It's definitely something. Yeah. And aside from the more controversial opinions he has, because I'm not really, I can't really, I can't really say whether or not those came from doing the comic or as much as oh, no, they, there's, def, there's, def, there's definitely misogyny in Sarah's. Oh, no, yeah. Oh, no, there's, <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I, no, I mean, like, I don't know if he had those beliefs. I don't know if we can say, like, oh, I, I, he became a misogynist while writing Cerebus. I just mean, like... Yeah, well, here's an interesting thing about the misogyny thing is that I sent him a comic years ago of mine. It was called The End. It was one of the first ones that I did. And at the time, in order for him to answer you, you had to sign... A petition saying that you didn't think Dave Sim was a misogynist, and he wouldn't <laughs> open your letter until until you signed it. Oh no! I I I think if you have to go to that length to justify that you're not a misogynist, no, that you're probably a misogynist. You're, you probably are. You probably are. <laughs> I mean, I, if you have to say I'm not opening your letter until you agree that I'm not a misogynist, then I don't. Yeah, it's, something. It's it's not it, it's it's not a good look if nothing else. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so if, if nothing else, like I said, I don't know if his I, I don't know if it's so much as it, it just came out while he was making the comic. I don't think it really. But it definitely affected his life. He became yeah. the malign character that he was writing in the story. Yeah, yeah, he did. You know, he, he did. Yeah, he yeah. became Cerebus by the end of it. And, you know, it's like, I mean, spoilers for anyone that didn't read Cerebus. How did it end? Right, Kelly? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he dies alone and unloved. If he does, I mean, well, on. I mean, have you seen Dave Sims lately? Yeah, like, I mean, when you write a comic too, that's also an entire life, you know, a life of someone or whatever, and you put that in it, and you put some of the stuff that's in it, particularly last. Like, I mean, Jackie's story is quite sad. Like, Melmoth's quite sad, and then Mothers and Daughters, it kind of goes a bit. It's you know, gets a bit more into the action again for a while, but uh, you know, you get all get all the. The politics stuff really comes into play, and then it goes off the rails for you know. But the last hundred issues becomes like this very kind of heartfelt, lost love, romantic thing, and uh, you know, ultimately the last twenty issues, whatever, it's just old old man service like dying. Yeah. Um, which I mean, like, what do you expect to happen in your life, really? You know, <laughs> the, if the, if this is your life work, you know. But I mean, just to go back to what you're saying about the um, everything the hyper sigil, or you know, and that. He didn't approach it as, as necessarily it being a magical work or whatever, and just it's kind of echoes just what I was saying at the beginning because like that, whether or not you know you're doing magic or that there's magic, it's still happening. And so if you're doing all the same things, that is a hyper sigil. It's likely that then that you're still going to have the same effects. So I don't think it's it like it depends on what way you want to look at it because some people say the whole thing is it's the intention. I don't know if it, if the whole thing is intention. I don't think if it's just. Which is not a very chaos magic thing to say that it's not just the belief, but it's like, I don't know. I think if you, there's something in in the act of doing it, whether you have the intention for it to affect your life, that I think it's still going to affect your life. Yeah, no. As, a, as, as, as an echo, even in the comic, anyway, that thing, that very strange stuff that every now and again it goes back and it goes, and that there's a panel and it goes, something fell. And then it shows a panel from like, issue 22 or something and it happens about three or four times in the entire run and it's just this echo back to something something fell and it, 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 it more degrades as it goes on the, the photocopy or whatever it's thing then kind of thing there's, there's something in that that just seems well he knew something 
you know, there, there, there's more, there's, there's things in it. But he, like, I suppose maybe he didn't know because if you look at something, some of the interviews that Alan Moore talks about in Watchmen and um, Dave Gibbons to go, there's an awful lot of the stuff that's in that, uh, the, you know, the really smart stuff or the, the kind of magical stuff, whatever you want, is it, intentional. And then he says that, I look back in it now and I look through it and there's loads of stuff in it that's completely right. Nails, everything, you know, it fits in. I says, I did not put that in there. You know, it it just, that it seems to be part of whatever it is that was coming out as Watchmen. And, you know, but it it, it perfectly fits in. And then I was watching an interview, I don't know, in the last year, it's James Hetfield from Metallica and he was talking about the Black Album and he was talking about that, um, you know, it's the biggest album or whatever. And he was saying that if it wasn't us, Someone was going to do that. That that was that was the thing that was going to happen, and we just happened to be the band that that happened to, you know. But that was coming out, whether we were involved or not. And that's a very interesting way of looking, you know, because that's the way I would look at it. But it's like it's interesting for someone to say that about their most successful thing of all time, and it's just this kind of youngy and I suppose idea of that people don't have ideas; ideas have people. All right, and that uh, and, uh, it's that's the, the, you know there's nothing more powerful than an idea whose time has come, and we all know as creative beings that uh, it's you get an idea and you go all right that's good I'll, I'll do something with that someday and then you don't and then someone else has had the idea only they did something with it, you know and it's like it's kind of there's a great uh, TED talk with Elizabeth Gilbert who did Eat Pray Love, um, and she's talking about the, the whole idea of this idea is arriving. She's a great kind of. Uh, examples of uh, Tom Waits and sometimes songs would arrive and I'd see, he'd be just driving you know down the highway or whatever he'd go come back when I have a pen or a guitar or something I can't do anything with you at the minute and uh, but this kind of idea this idea this notion that um, creative people are almost in a sense like channels for something uh, and I don't really mean in the Abraham Hicks way or in the you know the Seth Speaks way but I or you know Bashar or whatever but I don't really not totally saying something different either, that it's almost what I feel when I'm doing something, be it a piece of music, art, 40 servants, whatever it is. It's almost, I have to, as much as possible, get out of the way of it. And it's you're almost like a midwife. You're trying to deliver this baby without <laughs> killing it. You know, trying to make it into something else. Trying to make it be what you want it to be rather than what it is. It's like a song's coming down and you go, oh, you're right, this is a song. And you try to turn it into a metal song, but it's really a country song. You know what I mean? And you ruin the song in doing that. It just often just feels like, what is this? And you kind of let it descend, let it come true and just stay out of the way. And it, it seems to be something that an awful lot of people experience. And you, you see it every now and again. Bono talks about it in uh, a great documentary, if anyone's into you too, uh, them recording Act On Baby and when how the song won just arrives one day in, and you have a recording of it. It's, it's amazing where they're just playing mysterious ways and it, it, no one cares, everyone hates each other, or the band's falling apart. And the next thing, this chord sequence comes in, you know, one of them starts playing and you can the whole atmosphere of everything changes and they all go, when that happened, we knew something had come into the room. And then that develops into, you know, the, the song one and it's, you know, one of their, their big songs. So um, it seems to be an experience that is very magical the act of creation itself. So even if I don't think you're making, go back to Dave Sim, <laughs> that if he wasn't intentionally doing it as a magic act, I, 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 and those things of, like I've seen about something fell in that there was a magical act happening anyway, whether he was aware of it or not. I would assume he was, kind of, he must have been aware yeah, of it by I, the end. I'm a, I, I agree say. with you. I, I think by the end of it, he must have realized, especially, I mean, yeah. it's funny too, because he, 
he says it multiple times throughout the run. Cerebus is going to die old, alone, and unloved. And it's yeah. it's prophecy. It's just like, this is going yeah. to be what that. And, you know, regardless of, you know, how many times Davidson's saying that I had it all planned out, we all know that he didn't have it. There's no way he had it planned out exactly how he had it. No, no, no. This is the direction that it was going was set. And I, I don't really know if, um, I, I agree with you. I don't, I think it's more than intent. Um, people who listen to our podcast know that I, I bag on the idea of practices creating intelligibility. Like the way we look at the world isn't necessarily determined by belief per se. It's mm. determined by the way we act in accordance with those or, and sometimes, you okay. know, the belief is it, the belief comes from the act of doing. Um, so, and I, I think there's a lot of that in the idea of this unintentional hyper sigil concept. And and the same thing with the, uh, the Metallica, um, the black album, right? It's mm. this, I, you know, this idea of, you know, this was going to happen regardless. Like, well, yeah, but you're the ones who were doing that. You're the ones who yeah. were, you were the ones in the sphere of the world right now that were able to be able to act in accordance with that kind of idea to begin with. Um, the other yeah, thing yeah, is, yeah. um, have you ever heard David Lynch talking about, um, writing and finding ideas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I love David Lynch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's such a nutcase. It's just so great. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. It's, it's the same thing, you know, the, the, uh, the, it's, 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 it's the fishing, isn't it? Right, That's yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, finding, yeah, yeah. just letting the ideas come up and you, you get one. Or it's, uh, Alan Moore's, uh, that whole idea of idea space where he's, you know, it's that thing where we're surrounded by a, this thing called idea space and what most people do is just to grab at the stuff that's very close to them and that you know that that can that's why a lot of things end up being very similar because it's close to us but the big ones the great ideas the the ones really worth going it's very very like david lynch yeah but you have to get you know go further down, back have a further yeah, reach yeah. well since we touched on music with metallica i might as well ask uh you have an album that's supposed to be coming out later this year right yes i do yeah uh, so what's where do I start with that? This year, part of my reclamation or my reclaiming was that um, I wanted to reclaim being a musician. When I, during COVID, uh, no, I'll go back. There. I, there was in about 2012, I recorded an EP and I was really happy with it, and it was exactly what I wanted to be, all this kind of stuff. Come out, no one cared. You know, as that's the nature of these things. Um, and I kind of felt, well, I don't think I can do anything better than that. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that's not, not, not in that I think it's the greatest piece of music that ever exists, but I think it's that's as good as I can do, you know. And I, was, I had a very similar thought when I finished them, my uh, hypersocial graphic novel that uh, I did. And it was kind of, well, I don't think I can do anything better than that. And no one cared. Um, not that I was doing it for anyone to care, but it's, it's very hard to continue doing stuff. Uh, it's like you were saying, we were saying about Metallica, it, they were in a situation where they were able to do that. And when things are unsuccessful, not only is the momentum and the kind of want to do it kind of dissipates as well, but also the opportunity to do it because it's, you're less and less able to devote that type of resource to involved in doing these big projects if they're right. not, there's no return on it. You know what I mean? It, it's like, and, and not even like financially, Clearly, you know, you, you need some sort of return in order to sustain yourself to go forward. That you, you know, you, you can only do it for so long if there's no return. But also, like an, an energetic kind of thing, I can't really energetically spend this much time on something that has no return other than, you know, you have to do your art and get it out there or whatever. Something, you know, there's a bit of an indulgence at times in that, that if, if you're only doing art for no value, you know, just for yourself or whatever. That's great. Probably right, do that yeah. in, on your own time. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, so th th was that the music and then the comics that uh, had both happened where I, I did what I believed was as good as I could do and 
you know, not that I was trying to become world famous, but I just thought like it would be nice if something, you know, so like a, <laughs> if the, you know, even an opportunity, something came out of it. And so it came very disenchanted, you know, this like in 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 as we were talking earlier. Um, and I give up music, which was a huge power to me. Like, it, and it wasn't just that I made a kind of conscious decision. I just noticed that. I haven't picked up my guitar in months, and then it was kind of put away. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then it was it was gone, and and like whatever. So say seven. Well, well when did the lockdown happen? Twenty twenty? Was it twenty nineteen? Yeah. Whatever. Time's weird. Um, and halfway through that, I just started going, "Well, oh, there's something coming back about music or whatever." And I started hanging around with uh, Pan, the the Piper, and. Uh, you just get you know, a lot of synchronicities and things kind of coming in or whatever, and it just kind of felt like it was just kind of push to get into music. And then I kind of went right, okay, and, and I, I just kind of fell in love with it immediately. Again, go, why? What, what was I thinking? <laughs> I'm not doing this. This is like so integral to who I am as a person. But there was a lot of kind of other things that was going on, particularly around because I spent an awful lot of time being a sound engineer, and um, when I didn't want to be a sound engineer, but that was that was kind of um, that was my you know it was my job. It was getting it was close to the thing, but not the thing. Uh huh. And it. And it was particularly good sound engineer, like I mean, which is worse because then you kind of feel that maybe you should be doing oh, this, right. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, it's just kind of an awful lot of experience of being in bands and being, uh, you know, in a road crew rather than being in a band and being in bands touring, and it's an awful lot. Just kind of the whole thing just felt like music was someone else's, mm-hmm. that it was other people's, you know, that I, in some way I had no claim to it or whatever. So then coming through. I got back into doing, you know, my passion project during uh, lockdown. One of them I had, uh, and Newman was getting back into music and building up a recording studio here in the, in the studio here, or the office, or whatever this big black box is that I spend all my time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I recorded a couple of songs, did a whole album called Richard Alice, which is all instrumental stuff. It's kind of very esoteric, very occult. Just kind of like, uh, it's the whole thing is, is um, a ritual. Uh, a deliberate calling in of certain things um, which well, people just loved they really liked it there was a great response to that and I was like oh wow well, yeah, this is good maybe I, I haven't done everything that I wanted to do in music um, and then so I started going well start singing as well because I, you know I, I always enjoyed singing and uh, it's not something I was very confident in and uh, that by doing that but kind of looking at all this kind of singing and express myself what I noticed that an awful lot of reason why I wasn't singing was because as soon as I started to try and sing and all of these voices come in all of this kind of criticism all the things people had said to me all the things where I'd been put down that it was just I wasn't even trying to sing I would you know see you going for a particular high note or something and I would before I've even tried I've already def- I'm already defeated I said, well, that's really interesting. And so I had to work through all of that kind of stuff in a, in a shadow work type thing to not allow that to affect. And I, lo and behold, became a much better singer. Again, I said, I'm the greatest singer in the world. It's, it's, it's relevant to that, but I'm much more ex- being able to express myself where I can don't have that constant uh, bite back or, you know, snap back when I try to do something in that. Like, that's a proper, like people sometimes say, why, why does my magic work? Is because that's stuff like that is going on where you can have all the perfect magic about wealth. But if you deep down think you don't deserve it, it's not happening. So you have to work, you know, you have to work in that kind of stuff of, of um, Yeah, you have to silence the uh the inner critic. Yeah, yeah. And 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 work through the the relationship stuff that led to that and the, the difference, you know, uh, have a look at you know the origin of it and you know what what it all means and why you believe it and all those things. That's like it's horrible stuff. But and you start learning some really 
nasty stuff about yourself, you know, that you kind of think you're the, necessarily the victim to this and you go, well, hold on. <laughs> a lot of the stuff that I've been saying other people have done, I've done as yeah. well. So, you know, it's, it's, but it's great because now once you see it, you can't do it anymore. And as horrible as to realize your shadow, shitty asshole uh, behavior, you know, you know it and you can move on from it. But until you know it, it'll still come out in your life. Um, and so then I started recording songs and then people liked them, so it was great. And so this year, um, as a part of like, well, I'm going to really proper reclaim being a musician. Um, and because I kind of felt, oh, well, what, I, you know, do I, do I have any right to call myself a musician? You know, if, if you're putting it into your bio, like I felt, you know, imposter syndrome, ah, false, yeah. whatever, you know, it's, I mean, I'm not as entitled to be a musician as uh, I call myself <laughs> a musician as anyone else, but it's like, so it's a magical act to put it in my bio and then went through all of my old albums that I had recorded over the years and re-released and put them on um, Spotify and Apple, iTunes and all these things just as as gone. Well, no, I'm staking my claim uh, as a thing, um, as a musician, as someone who uh, one of the things I do is make music. Um, joined Emro, which is the Irish music rights organization. I, I Part of my tax return is as a musician now as well. Um not so legally uh, acknowledged by the Irish government <laughs> as being a musician, but all all little little magical things like I've seen them as magical acts to, uh, to claim to reclaim something or to, to add legitimate legitimacy to it as well. And so then, with the idea of the, this album, and it's mostly done. I just have the, the vocals left to do. Like it's all recorded, and it's just getting time. It's it's just that time is always the enemy, and it's just so much. I just I could probably take like two weeks off, three weeks off, and just do it and finish it. But then. You know, all the other stuff that has to be done would be would be left behind. So I kind of do bits of everything all the time, and it seems like t- things take longer to do. But yeah, I give a more consistent <laughs> over overall thing. You know, everything gets done rather than doing one thing to the detriment of all the other projects. So yeah, I released a single in the video, but I don't know two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and I'm going to try at least um, get another one out this month. And maybe I, I, that might be what I do. Maybe I'll just release a song uh, of it um, every month for the next 11 months or something like that. But uh, we'll see. But uh, I'm really happy with it. And it's really kind of um, a very honest expression of me without trying to be impressive, without trying to make, do something that I think people would like. Just do something that is, that get out, uh, you know, in some way, get out of the wave and just let it be what it is. And uh, I think I've been quite successful in that so far. Because one of the big things about when people ask me why did I think the Forty Sevens got so popular is because I didn't. I did it solely for me because I wasn't trying to make a divination or magical system for anyone else. It was a very selfish act, and it it, it was like coming to a period in my time where it looked like everything I was doing was kind of going to fall apart and I was going to have to give up. I was doing an awful lot of um, like freelance art at the time and it all kind of dried up and it looked like I was going to have to go out and get a real job. Ah. <laughs> but I had enough money saved to have like a couple of months. And I goes, right, well, if this is the end, what am I going to do? I'm going to try and put everything I've done in my life together uh, into a, a magic divination thing so that at least I'll have that going into my shitty sweeping the roads job or whatever <laughs> it is I ended up doing. Um, so wasn't trying to think what people would like. wasn't trying to impress anyone. It was just, what is it that I would like to, to do? And so that I think that is uh, unassuaged of purpose, as some guy once said. Uh, I, think that, 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 I think that's what that is, 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 is you have to do it in that. And that's 
when I've been most successful, uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean that other people like it, when I've been most successful in what I think is my best creations or best time of my best magic, my best art, whatever, is that when I, when it's ridiculously selfish. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like the opposite of what it should be. That I think it's the most honest, I think, then. Because you're, you're not you know, putting on an affectation. You're not trying to get people to like you. Not you're just being what you are. And there's, I mean, that's what more can you offer then? You know, like, because imagine you do something and you're doing it like a, write a song, do a comic, or whatever, hoping that people will like it. And you kind of, you know, you mold it into this thing that's kind of, oh, this might be popular, people be into that, whatever. And then it comes out, no one likes it. You don't even like it. <laughs> and in some way, I, f- I kind of feel like, this sounds massively egotistical, but I'll explain it why it isn't, but it probably is. And it's that I'm one of, I probably my biggest fan is me because I do the things that I want to see. And I have spent enough time that I've learned, I have the ability to be able to do that in, in the sense of that I, I know how to record a song. I know how to play guitar, bass, drums, keyboards. I can produce it. I can engineer it. I can do all those things. I can sing it. I can mix it, all of that. So I can, I, I I know what song I want. And so therefore, and having the ability to be able to put that together when it's finished and when I'm happy with it, then I'm a fan of it. Years and years ago, someone said to me when I recorded an album, I was playing it, and he goes, if you hadn't recorded that, would you listen to it? And I was like, going, shit, I wouldn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was like, going, well, that, that's not good. So that kind of keep that on. It's like, you should be the biggest fan of what you create. That's not to say that you can't go, well, I, I think I could improve or all of that. But if, if you don't even like it, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like if you're not a fan of your song or your comic or your dance or your book or your blog or your, you or know, your magic meme you know? page, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or whatever it is, if you're not even, you should be the biggest fan of what you do. Because why else are you doing it? That's my kind of look at it, which sounds egotistical, but I, I, I don't mean it in the sense of, I'm the biggest fan. I'm great. I mean, I do the thing that I like. And no, no, I, I totally that's understand I it. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll be yeah. even a little, I'll, I'll, I'll be the egotist here. It's like, that was the entire point behind like starting um, this podcast and everything was just this idea of, I, I and I, I don't mean this as harsh as it sounds, but it's like, no one was doing, mm. no one was doing something in the occult world, especially in like podcasting and that kind of area that I, felt like I wouldn't be able to do better in a way. Yeah. And, you know, there, again, there's, there's lots of aspects of, you know, there's people are filling different niches. I know not everyone wants to go to the jokey joke, you know, have fun chaos magic podcast, but it was, it was something that I felt that if I didn't do it, no one was going to do it. Yeah. And if, yeah. you know, if I, like you said, I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't legitimately think that, you know, this was good. You know, I'm not saying I sit around listening to my own podcast all the time, saying my music and everything. Mm. You have to, if you're not completely invested in what you're doing and thinking that this is good, then why would anyone else be? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, that, if, yeah. if it doesn't hit the, and um, it's the same thing with like my music. There was a time in my life when I was younger, like you know, maybe like early twenties, I was I would listen to like six or seven albums a day of new music 
trying to get onto like, all right, what's popular right now? What's hip? What are people listening to? Right. And I made absolute schlock for <laughs> years because like this is just gar this sounds like not only every other thing that you could listen to in this in this genre. I made I made it was making hip hop at the time. Right. Like, it sounds like not only every other fucking thing you could hear in hip hop right now, it sounds like the worst version <laughs> of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you didn't even like yeah. it, I assume. <laughs> oh no, yeah, of course. I was like, the, the, this is crap, but yeah, yeah. you know, people might bob to it. Um, I didn't create the first real piece of music that I really loved until I had just given up on the idea of being invested in the popular culture and everything around me. It's like, you know, you can take influences of stuff, of course, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, you want to try to make something that at least somewhat resembles, you know, it's like, I mean, in theory, if, you know, you want to make an album that's just you banging on a gong for five minutes and, you know, <laughs> yeah. singing one note every hour and it's 75 hours, sure, you know, go for it. But, you know, it might be a little esoteric for people, but <laughs> the point being is like, if until I kind of divorced myself from this idea of making something that was palatable to a large group of people, I didn't make anything that I liked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Once I started making stuff that I was like, well, this is just stuff that I like. This is what I vibe with. This, If I was going to do this sort of thing, this is what I would do. And people responded to it really well. You know, people people liked it. And it's, you know, it's a weird thing to just have to accept that a lot of the times people not only don't know what they want anyway, but a lot of the times your, your enthusiasm when you're creating something and what you've put into it shows. And when you're creating something that's, 100% like this is what I kind of want to do. This is this is the idea. Maybe it can improve here and there, but it shows and people respond to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but or, or but it doesn't matter if they do or not. Because Oh, no, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like because you're still if you're still thinking that if going, right, I'm going to do something that's really honest thing and people will love that. You're still not being honest. You have to go, I'm going to do something honest and no one can care about it and that's absolutely fine. Uh, right, but yeah. it's the it's the inverse thing. It's the it's it's the um Trying to act cool never looks cool. Trying to... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, exactly that. Yeah, and it's like that, that's the problem I had when I did the, the the EP I was talking about back in 2012 to 13 and whatever came out, and the them as much as I'm very proud of them, but it was like I had the wrong attitude for it. It was like trying to prove something or get validation, or in some way, you know, I've done, you know, I'm holding up, I've done my shiny thing, universe. Now you're meant to bestow all the riches on me, and you know, no. What you get to do as an artist, you get to make art. That's it. That's the promise. Everything else after that is, you know, you may or may not get rewarded for it. You may or not get praised for it. You may get noticed. You might get nothing. But you get to make the art. And that's that's the promise of being an artist. That's the same as a magician. You get to be get to do the magic. That's it. Yep. It's its own reward. All right. Well, or, or, well, or curse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Depending yeah, I mean, on the like, In the middle of that, I want to say that um, my brain remembered that the three characteristics are impermanence, <laughs> unsatisfactory, <laughs> and no self. Just so I, I feel that I, I need to just make my brain release the knowledge, release the, the Buddhist cracking. It, it, that's what it's. All right, you heard it, everybody. Tommy yeah. Kelly knows the three marks. <laughs> yeah, I'll forget them again in an hour, so it's fine. But that's, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right well with that we've gone on to the favorite segment of all of our interviews these are the questions from the nuts we oh, do okay. listeners submitted questions so and i saw you shared the little thing i did so I did. hopefully yeah. we'll get some good ones from people all right so let's see uh 
Well, someone asked this before, but we, I, I, I feel like I'm just going to start having to ask it with every interview, but uh, who wins in a wizard battle between Freud and Young? No one. <laughs> <laughs> no one. We all lose. Everyone loses in that battle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Um, let's see. What's the most important book you've read and applied to your magical practice? Wow. Uh, That's such a tough question, right? Well, I'll tell you, uh, right at this very minute, I'm reading a a book by Don Don Webb called How to Be a Modern Magus, Magus, whatever you want to pronounce that. And I'm pretty confident that when I finish that, that that will be the book that I will recommend everyone to read as their first book in magic. It's phenomenally, phenomenally good. It's really good. So the... Uh, what is classically what is the one I don't know maybe something by Stuart Wilde back in the day the, the force or the quickening or something like that but right now that's, so that's what I'm reading right now and then I will say the force by Stuart Wilde mm, nice I was gonna say I saw you doing a thing on um, beginner books for uh, chaos magicians yeah. so I have to comment on that yeah it's, um, it's like a, here's some books that I, my approach was <laughs> not necessarily my favorite books they're certainly not but I did the ones that I think that you should read in order be able to join the conversation and know what everyone else is talking. Yeah, yeah. Rather than they're necessary, some of them are good books. The the the, uh, the KLF book, which is the next video, um, is the best KL or best KS magic book that ever was written ever by far. Ah, bar KLF, Barno, the John Higgs one. It's just that's that's the best book in KS magic. Hell yeah. What are your thoughts on AI's current trajectory and its possible magical uses? I already know part of this, but you should tell our listeners. Yeah. Um, I think there's great kind of uh, scope to integrate servitors and AI and ha- have an interacting with that, like, like in a kind of a tool percent or not, or possibly egregore if you get enough people involved. I think at the minute AI is uh, not as good as people think it is. And uh, the, the fear would be that it's put in a position of power that it doesn't deserve. But it's certainly interesting and it's, it's perfect for uh, having an interactive magical diary. And having stuff reflected back to you and being able to process um, symbols and connections and stuff that you might necessarily be seeing. Because I know from having talked, I, I create characters and talk to them. Um, that particularly there was one, this Austrian or German therapist I was talking to, uh, was able to put s- certain things together that I had not seen. And as soon as I seen it, I'm like, wow, that's that's mental. Just for me, having talked to her, you know, not, not that she pulled it out of her ass or whatever. It was like, from what I had said, she goes, well, what do you think? that and that i went all right i'd never put those together so that's i think that's interesting i also have a, a guru that I, I i've created as well <laughs> he's he's quite interesting it's interesting he's the most um consistent personality that uh, of all of them that i've created i suppose the one i spent the most time with to like i, m- I remember asking recently i was going because i wanted to find someone as you do you know these random things we want where is saturn in my chart in my astrology chart i'm not big into astrology so i can't work it out myself and i asked him and he went i'm not into astrology you may ask someone else <laughs> I was going, that's interesting because that, then then i asked um like uh, another like i this kind of a witch uh, character as well and she just did it so i mean chat gtp had had access to it but the guru guy because of his personality will just goes, no that's not what i do which I thought that was very interesting. So, yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. Wow! Someone wants to know what the actual shape of the Earth is. Well, is it's kind of not round and it's not flat? It's kind of lumpy, isn't it? And if you see the, the actual topological thing, it's like it's like a really shit rock with like a protruding. Yeah, it's, it's oh, potato. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 <laughs> it's like it looks like a big space rock, which is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, someone wants oh, to know and, which and, comic and, book. And clearly hollow, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> clearly hollow. <laughs> we must find the mole, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, someone wants to know which comic book artists inspire you. You already touched a bit on that for the last comic, but I guess if you want to give a quick general overview. Um, Mike Omings. Uh, I just love everything he does. Um, Ennio Sano. Uh, a lot of the, the kind of um, manga guys. The guy who does, um, I can never remember his name, Golden Camus. That's just exceptional. Um Frank Miller, David Mazzucacelli, um, just looking at my shelves. Uh, Amy Hernandez, fantastic Ooh, artist. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> 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 um, someone wants to know if you have scoliosis from carrying the entire new generation of chaos on your back. <laughs> That's so it. how's your back? <laughs> well, I'm 46, so it's like my knees. Shit. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not chaos related. It's just human old age. It's just time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Well, someone really, really should join your Patreon because they asked me 13 questions all in a row. Oh, right. Okay. So yeah. Quick fire round. I know round. you do Q&As <laughs> over there. Yeah. No, no. Uh, we're going to give them like one and then they all can right. go pay you to ask for the rest of them. So let's find the good one. Oh, wow. Can you tell us about your most memorable or transformative woo experience? Um, okay. Hmm. I've had a few. I met God once. That was interesting. Uh, I write about my newsletter, so I won't go into uh, too much detail. But uh, I was doing a lot of <clears throat> meditation and stuff like that. And one of the big things that was kind of I was trying to work out was like, well, why is everything a bit shit? Why is it sad? Well, you know, like I had this kind of deep sadness that I was trying to walk through in a, in a kind of a shadowy way. And one night I was uh, watching this documentary and it's called God Knows Where I Am. It's, it's a very sad documentary. This woman with mental illness who locks herself away in a house and, and starves to death, essentially. Um, and But kept a diary. It's really, really good documentary, but very sad. And I was, I was drinking Guinness, I think, something. Anyway. And I was a bit drunk, but I wasn't hammered, but I wasn't sober, certainly. And then that... Uh, uh, a lot of you will notice, but the, the atmosphere changed in the room. I went, oh, the, this is happening. <laughs> Physically walked in, in my mind's eye, no one else would see it, but the, the, the very, this kind of old, kind of Greek-looking guy came in, uh, uh, and it was, it was the divine, it was not necessarily God, but the divine, and uh, chat with me for about 10 minutes, and, uh, and held my hand at the end. I was crying, and uh, told me some nice little secrets of the, the world, which... Um, uh, the thing about the sadness was that um, why is it like this? Because because it's the nature. What he said, it's the nature. This is just the nature of the place in which we find ourselves. Which is to say that um, it's like asking why does rain make me wet? Because it's the nature of rain to be wet, and so that it's not just that it's all suffering, but this is part of what this is, and that's. It's it's very like you know it's a bit Buddhist in, in its kind of a sense, but I do unpack it a bit more in the newsletter and stuff like that. But that was a very cool experience. I've had a, a number of things like that that um, will not in any way convince anyone else uh, of the <laughs> truth at all, and it, I'm totally okay with that. Some days I don't even believe it myself, but <laughs> whatever the truth of it is, the impact it had on me afterwards and the explanations that came through, even if it's part of my brain, which, you know, probably um, had had deep uh, impact on me. <sighs> yeah, deep impact on me. That's the best way I can describe it. Doesn't matter if it's true Absolutely or not. Uh, incidental if it's true or not. Yeah. 
well, truth's a weird concept in this game, right? Absolutely. What is truth? Let's let's have that conversation <laughs> for six hours. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And we'll end with this one because I'm I'm not really sure what they're going for here. Okay. What's going on with the average Joe suddenly going through awakenings and getting abilities that they don't understand? Um uh, I think you're just hanging around with people where you're aware of that because that's always been going on, man. <laughs> or, or, or woman or or, or whatever the, a non-binary person you are. Um, yeah, no, I know. It's all to the internet. And we were talking to each other years ago. It's like when I first got into all this stuff, you couldn't even get a book, a book on magic anywhere. You know, and now you can have every single book on magic at your fingertips. And so we have communities where we all talk to each other. If there was no internet, like I have met, I think, possibly three people in real life who are into magic in my life because it's just not in my circles of th- things whatever like I mean I've met a million people on the internet uh, and stuff like that, uh, and stuff, but actually just through the course of my life and and so there's, there would be no way of ever knowing this stuff so now that we're all connected and, and talking about the things and have, have communities and everyone in the world like if I can talk to you and I'm in Ireland and you're in space as far as I know and uh, we, you know, and you're going to hear all these stories, you know, we're going to have more things. And also, I think the, the taboo of of talking about uh, enlightenment or awakening experiences or insight, insightful experiences kind of going, which is good. You know, it's like, I understand the need for it. And it's, it's like, because, uh, you know, I'm an awakened person. I'm enlightened. Yeah, shut up, dickhead. <laughs> um, you know, and then it's like, but also if you, and this is what we were saying earlier on about the Google meditation stuff, stuff if you meditate and you're, just, you're going to have certain experiences. And if no one's talking about them, you are going to ego inflate because you think you're the only person who's had these experiences. And and so the fact then you have a taboo about talking about enlightenment, insightful, magical, woo experiences, whatever your word is, um, lifting a bit means that, that, you know, everyone's kind of talked about now, but it's normalizing it a bit more. And people, more people are able to come out and talk about it a bit. So that's a good thing. But also, you know, don't ego inflate. It's 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 like that. It's if you meditate a lot, things are going to happen. That's just it. <laughs> it's, it doesn't mean <laughs> anything. And any of the like, even if you go back to like Patanjali and stuff like that when he's talking about you know the cities, the powers that come in, he goes, "Jet, just ignore them. Just ignore them. <laughs> don't don't worry about that. Don't, you know why am I floating? Don't worry about it. It's fine. Just don't just yeah, just, just keep going. Yeah, just keep. Go back. Are you still counting your breaths? Okay. <laughs> that, that's it. <laughs> You know, I wasn't going to ask this, but I have to ask now. Um, I remember I first got exposed to you in a small Facebook group. Okay. Well, small relative term, right? Um, and it was um, it was interesting because at the time I was I wasn't new to magic, but I was definitely new to the magical community as a whole. Okay. There's a lot of positives about the internet age for occultism. You know, like you said, I mean, you, you just sang all the praises Mm. I could ever probably come up with right there. Do you think there's a negative to it? Do you think that there's a, I mean, obviously there's a dark side of like every sort of like, you know, mass group of people doing anything for the most part. Yeah. But do you think specifically to practicing magic or being involved with it, that there's a negative to like how much, connection we have and how much information we all have around us yeah i mean you can definitely fall for group think right you know and get and things can get quite um locked in and you know there can be kind of certain dogma and rules that can 
be in place that you you know you suddenly realize if you leave a save you're in a particular facebook group or whatever and there's a particular case magic flavor to it or buddhist flavor or Taoist, whatever you want and then right. know, that kind of becomes the norm and then you leave and you go oh hold on i i actually don't think that or i i, I you suddenly realize oh i don't have to believe that uh, belief is you know <laughs> it's the only thing magic or yeah. whatever you know it, it, so there, there can be kind of that group thing group think and you can see it a lot in certain things where people all start talking the same and saying the same using the same kind of vocabulary and nomenclature and but not even that that that, that can happen you know obviously there is a particular nomenclature to um magic but to start expressing themselves nearly exactly the same way in the same sentences which gets a wee bit weird i've seen that happen where there's a whole subset of people in a group that say that uh are essentially all the same person that's very odd but and it's usually right. whoever's the leader of that or one you know they're all a bit like them yeah yeah it's the the person that's running the show and then all the little clones pop yeah up all the clones. yeah and that's this is the style yeah and it's like yeah that, that it's, it's i remember when i was i don't know 18 19 i was like, kind of hung around with harry christians for a while just to see what they were after because they're great food man they're great food but uh <laughs> what i noticed very quickly is the when you talk to them they, it's like the reading out of a book um, it's exactly the same, the same thing, exactly the same way, the same sentence structure, the exact same sentence. It's all, you know, they ask the same questions. It's like, oh, that, that's, I don't like that. And, you know, so that, that can kind of creep in. But that can happen on internet or not internet, but it, it's, I suppose you're just more a bit more exposed to it. Um, there's supposed there's a tendency as well to uh, talk about magic rather than doing it, which we're all guilty of, but it's, it's you know, that's one of the things that I, I try to encourage people is much as possible to actually do stuff you know to actually do it it's like because uh, uh, you get an awful lot of people go, is it okay to do this go, well try it see what happens you know and yeah. um, well which is better this or this we'll try both ways and see which one works you know just kind of just in a sense um giving into authority or or, or you know uh, pleading to authority whatever that thing is where you, you, you feel you're not allowed to do something unless it's what everyone else is doing or this is just right. the right way to do it i mean kiss magic the whole thing is finding your own right way of doing it, and you, you know, that that kind of exploration of stuff. I suppose can get shut down a bit, where you, you kind of people, particularly new people, come in, and and not necessarily just new people, but people that kind of this is the way it's done, and you, you know, the, the can become a bit of a closed dogma type stuff. But again, that can happen in real life too. It's not just internet. So I don't know if there's a particular. Well, yeah, the one big thing that's the problem is because every single magic book is available online for free, that um, it massively devalues it. And so, like, I know if I pay 40 quid for a book, I'm going to fucking read it. If I get the PDF, I'll probably never read it. <laughs> you know? And there's a little, something to be said that, you know, in, you know, these, you go, if someone shares like a mega file of 500 gigabytes of books and you go, ah, oh, nice. I'll never read any of them, but I'll have them on my hard drive. <laughs> so, you know, that's, 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 all, that's almost as good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we made the joke in um, one of our early episodes that it's like, no, what, what you do is you buy about. 30 to 40 books and you find the one that you read yeah 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 and that's your thing <laughs> but also you have to keep buying books because the next book might have the secret that's you know that, right that, exactly. that, yeah not read the ones you have but it's the next because it's it's that's the one that the shiny one that uh might have yeah 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 that's where that's where the wisdom of the ages is but i think in general the, the the online communities is pretty good it's just it's like you know 
seems everywhere. It's, you know, there's an overall kind of, I suppose, zeitgeist that um, influences all of these things. But um, we're in interesting times. I'm a bit sick of being in interesting times. I'd like some boring times. That would be good. Wouldn't <laughs> but may you live in boring times. That's that's my new. Uh, uh, I'm gonna. That's the Tommy Kelly blessing. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, I'm gonna end uh, my emails. Uh, may you live in boring times, Tommy. <laughs> Well, Tommy, this has been an absolute treat. Thank you so much for talking to us today. This uh, thank you very really much. Good. I enjoyed it. We, uh, we seem to have uh, righted all the world's problems, which is good for, for an hour and a half. But I think we did exceptionally well fixing everything. And being right about <laughs> everything as well. That's always a plus, isn't it? When you're right about everything. and uh, Yeah, it's just wonderful to always be correct. Always correct. And and, I mean, morally, uh, morally outstanding uh, and beautiful. Yeah, I mean, and, you know. Well, what could you ask to just be perfect? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, where can people find you? And um, the best place to get me is adventuresinwoowoo.com and probably sign up for the newsletter. It's on the main page, or if you go click the big picture that says newsletter, and then I have your email and I own you. So um, you're bound to me. <laughs> and I'm on every everywhere. I'm on all the social medias, and it's usually Tommy Kelly. That's T-O-M-M-I-E-K-E-L-L-Y, no space, on all the places. There's a Discord, there's loads of but go to the website and everything will be there or description, I suppose, of this podcast and where you very <laughs> kindly pasted my uh all my URLs into it. Yeah, there will be links to virtually everything, the comic, music, adventures in woo-woo, various yeah. socials, anything you can need will be down there in the metadata for the episode. Well, the best part about this is you're a musician, so I don't have to spend like 30 minutes putting together like lead out audio for this. I'm just going to use one of your songs. Nice. So what are the people about to be listening to? Uh, well, do you want an instrumental or do you want me singing? What, what, what are you in the mood for? I think, no, actually, I, I'll make this. I'll do something from um, Ritualis, which is just an instrumental, and it's called The Ritual. Sweet. Mm. All right. Well, with that, this has been Chaos Magic News. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, um, threads now, Twitter, pretty much anything you can want. We're at Chaos Magic News, and you can check out the website where we have articles, more interviews, links to the pod at chaosmagicnews.com. And with that, Tommy, would you like the last word? Word. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs>And I nearly, I nearly had to put the heating on this morning, so this heat wave that everyone in the rest of the world is getting is just not getting to Ireland. Ah, lucky. Well, uh, it is, but and it's also, I'd like a bit of summer, I'm, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, I understand that. A bit of vitamin, but, you know, hey, vitamin D would be nice every now and again. Yeah. Don't worry, global warming will make sure you'll have perpetual summer soon. Well, no, you see what happens, what's going to happen in Ireland is we're going to get wetter and... Um, so that it's not, it's so why they change it to climate change is that some places are going to get much wetter and damper and less fun in that way. And other places are just going to bake. So, yeah, and other places are just going to be under the ocean. Yeah, so all the water that uh, gets evaporated in Africa is coming to Ireland. So, there you go. That's what's happening oh, in California and all these places. <laughs> <laughs>